as you're finding your place. If you have your Bibles with you, I invite you to turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. As you've heard today, and as you've heard and as you can see, uh, today is a special day. Today we're going to partake in the Lord's Supper together. We finished our Nehemiah study last Sunday. Um, and so today we, we have this opportunity to, to, to take part in this ordinance together as a body of believers, as a family. Uh, and, and while we're done with our study in the book of Nehemiah, there are some similarities we see in some of the themes of the book of Nehemiah and the Lord's Supper. So historically, the book of Nehemiah was about the rebuilding of those walls and gates in the city of Jerusalem as the children of Israel returned to, to Jerusalem after they were coming out of captivity and those waves starting the book of Ezra and then into Nehemiah. And what we learned along the way in that study is, is that there were some rich spiritual pictures of regarding that rebuilding project that are very relevant to us and our life and our, 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 our personal life, our homes, and this church. And there's one more picture that I want us to see today. Because any time we come together to take part in this ordinance given to us by the Lord, it's a time for personal rebuilding to occur. So I've, I've titled this message, A Time to Rebuild. And that's what today is about. It's, you know, God has given the church two ordinances, baptism and the Lord's Supper. And they have very specific purposes and, and, and specific meaning uh, behind them. And, and the Lord's Supper is, is a very, very important to the life of a church. And, you know, the baptism kind of guards the front door, so to speak, and who gets in, who, who becomes a member, and that we, we know that they're, they've trusted in Christ and they've placed their faith. And that picture of the water baptism is, is a picture of being baptized in Christ into the, the, the body of Christ overall. And then the Lord's Supper, it protects the ongoing membership. Um, and as we how we relate to each other and how we relate to the Lord. And so it's a, it's a very, very important uh, in the life of a church. And so this morning, I, I want to pull out three very, very simple and very familiar principles regarding the Lord's Supper and, and use them as a template for how we need to rebuild some things in our life this morning. And, and listen, we're not going to cover anything new today, uh, but that's very intentional because the Lord's Supper is very intentional. God is very, has very specific intention and purpose for this ordinance. And, and those ordinances, both baptism and Lord's Supper, are really the, the, the acts in the church that we have the most information on with respect to how and why, very prescribed instructions on what we're to do and how we're to do it and why we're to do it. God tells us all of it. And we, meet, we need to be reminded of those specifics ever so often. Because you know just as well as I do that we're all prone to forgetfulness as we move through this life. We get caught up in the busyness of everything around us and we just forget what we're supposed to remember. And, and guess what? God's well aware of those tendencies as well. And he knows that we need to be reminded. And he knows that so well that through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he led Peter to say, there are certain things that God's people don't need to be taught. They just need to be reminded. 
You don't need to be taught certain things. You need to be reminded. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 12 and 13, Peter says, Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though ye know them. He says, you already know this, but I'm going to remind you anyway. And be established in the present truth. Yea, I think it meet, as long as I am in this tabernacle, in this body, to stir you up by putting you in remembrance. Peter said, there are things that you already know. I don't need to teach you, but I do need to remind you. And that's what this morning is all about. Again, for most of you, I won't be teaching you anything new. But there are some things that I want to remind you. And those reminders should help you rebuild some things that maybe have slipped in your life. So if that describes you, if that describes your life, then today is the day to get things in order. This ordinance is what God gives us to make sure we maintain a proper focus and proper relationships in our lives. So first, a proper relationship with him and then proper relationships with each other. So this really is a big deal. Today is a big deal. I can't overemphasize the importance of what we're going to do today. And I, and I know that in, in, in this church age, in these last days, in this age of Laodicea, that's something many people, I think, don't realize anymore. Just how big a deal this is that we're doing today. So today is, is one of the important days of the year for us. And it's important to the Lord, so important, that again, he gives us very specific instructions on how and why we're to do what we do. And because of that, it needs to be important to us. Now, it's only important if you use it for what it's intended. I mean, God gives this to us so that we can stay in proper focus and in proper relationship. So that we can never go more than a few months without being realigned. But it, so if you don't use it for that, well, then it's not important to you. But it's important to the Lord, so it should be important to us. So let's make it so. So we're going to read 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 through 31. And then we'll see what we need to rebuild or build back into our lives this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23, the Bible says, For I have received of the Lord... That which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup when he supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall be shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily, shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we, we come to you this morning. Um, it, in a in a, a a tone of solemnness and a in in a acknowledgement and recognition of 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 what we're doing today and the importance that it has to you and and therefore the importance that it needs to have 
for us, the, the seriousness that, that we should take it in. And, and so, Lord, I pray for every member of our church here this morning. I pray for those that are visiting with us today, Lord, that they understand that, that they understand just, just wh- how big a deal this is and, and, and how it's something that you've given us to do in, in, a, in a very specific way, and so we shouldn't be negligent of that. Lord, I pray that, that everything that is said today is true to your word, it's, it's honoring, it's glorifying to you, and Lord, you'd be, you'd be glorified through this, this entire service, that it is a sweet savor to you, Lord, that all that we do um, is glorifying and honoring to you. We love you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, to fully understand this passage, you need to understand the context. And the context of 1 Corinthians chapter 11 is one of correction. It's actually the primary context of the entire book of 1 Corinthians. Paul was writing to that church to correct them of so many different things. But as Paul moves through this chapter specifically, he addresses the disorder of public meetings that the church of Corinth was guilty of participating in. He talks about the prophesying of women of the church. He, he begins to address the confusion of spiritual gifts that you see in chapters 12 through 14. And then related to our topic this morning, the disorder and disrespect that they were displaying towards the Lord's Supper. Now, it has always been customary for believers to eat together. We see this starting even with that early Jewish church in Jerusalem in Acts chapter 2. Right In Acts chapter 2, verse 46, we read, And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. Now listen, that, that custom still exists today. We kind of make fun of it. You know, we always are eating and fellowshipping together around a meal, but there's, there's biblical root in that. I mean, you know, especially Baptist churches, we're, we're known for that. That's what we're going to be doing next Sunday. The summer's in celebration and, and the Sunday after that and uh, our evening uh, worship and fellowship time. But sharing a meal together has always provided an opportunity for fellowship and even, especially in the early church, an opportunity for sharing with those who were less fortunate or less privileged. And in that early church, they would typically end those meals by observing the Lord's Supper. And they called this meal the love feast or a feast of charity. Because the main emphasis of the meal was to show love one to another through sharing. This phrasing, and, and, and maybe you've never even heard of that phrasing, but the phrasing is found in the Bible. In the book of Jude, verse 12, in the context of false teachers infiltrating the church, Jude said, these are spots in your feast of charity when they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear. Clouds they are without water, carried about of winds, trees whom fruit withereth, without fruit, twice dead, plucked up by the roots. And again, that was the context of false teachers infiltrating the church. And he's saying they were blemishes. They were spots on these, these feasts of charity because they weren't there out of love. They weren't there out of, of, out of worship of the Lord. And, and just as we're getting started this morning, I want to be very clear that none of us should be spots in our feast of charity. We should come together with the right motives and the right intentions toward each other and toward the Lord. And it's a serious enough deal that if we don't come that way, God doesn't take it lightly. 
We read about that in verse 30 of our text. We'll talk about that a little later. But this love feast or feast of charity was part of the custom at Corinth. But some very serious abuses had crept in. That's what Paul started addressing in verse 17. He says, Now in this that I declare unto you, I praise you not, that ye come together, not for the better, but for the worse. For first of all, when ye come together in the church, I hear that there be divisions among you, and I partly believe it. For there must also be heresies among you, that they which are approved may be made manifest among you. When ye come together... Therefore, into one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. Says, you're not doing it for the, right, for the right reason. For in eating, everyone that taketh before other his own supper. You're just being selfish. You're, you're not doing it right. One is hungry, and they're not getting to eat because you're taking it. Another is drunken. What? Have ye not houses to eat and to drink in? Or despise ye the church of God and shame them that have not? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I praise you not. So there was a lack of unity in the church, and, and that showed itself whenever they would come together for the Feast of Charity, where they would observe the Lord's Supper because it showed itself in selfishness, and they weren't allowing people that were hungry to even partake. They would come, and they were, they were getting drunk. And in verse 22, Paul says it's a shame. And it wasn't worthy of any praise at all. It was, in fact, it was disrespectful and it was irreverent. And so then starting in verse 23, what we read a few minutes ago, Paul takes the time to correct them on what the rules are for the Lord's Supper, to focus them on this new covenant we have with the Lord. And in doing so, Paul describes three primary reasons why we celebrate the Lord's Supper together. And these are three areas in our life that we need to rebuild if we have let them slip. And these three areas of rebuilding should focus us on Christ and the solemnness of the moment and this activity. And so first, we need to rebuild through remembering. And rebuild through remembering. And making a connection back to our, our study in the book of Nehemiah, Remembering is, is a key part of that book. That word is found six times in the book of Nehemiah. The difference between Nehemiah and the Lord's Supper is just the target. In Nehemiah, we, we see him asking God over and over to remember him and to remember his enemies. But in the Lord's Supper, it's not about him remembering us. It's about us remembering him. You see, foundationally, that's what this is about. The Lord's Supper is about remembering. That is the primary purpose of what we are doing this morning. You hear me say every time we, we take part in the Lord's Supper, you hear me say that. Every time in the future, you will continue to hear me say that. We will talk about how important it is to remember because we tend to forget Look back at 1 Corinthians 11, verses 24 and 25, because the thing that Paul emphasizes is the same thing that Jesus emphasized with his disciples. And when he, Jesus, had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. After the same manner, also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. 
This do ye as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. And you can see the actual account of the Lord, that last Lord's Supper that Jesus had physically with his disciples. When he said those very words to them, you can see it in Matthew chapters 26, Mark 14, and Luke 22. But in every single one of them, the emphasis is, this do in remembrance of me. You need to remember me and what I did for you. And in the gospel's case, what I'm about to do for you. So when we take the bread and the juice here in a few minutes, this is what you need to remember. We remember the body of Jesus and the blood of Jesus. We remember the fact that God committed the ultimate act of humility and took a robe of human flesh upon himself. I think we don't understand how much humility that is. The God of the universe, the creator of everything, lowered himself to become a man and suffered and died as a man. So we remember the body of Jesus, that's verse 24, and then also we remember the blood of Jesus, that's verse 25. And when you take that cup in a little bit, you remember that his blood was shed on the cross for you and for me. And once you accept that blood sacrifice for your sins, that now that blood is rinsed over your hearts to cleanse you from guilt before Almighty God. But not only that, you remember how it gives you access to him. Because, as the Bible says, it inaugurates a new covenant. Or as Luke 22 puts it, a new testament with the Lord. Likewise, Luke 22, verse 20 says, Likewise also the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you. And Paul says the same thing. And listen, this aspect is so important because the Lord's Supper, listen to me, the Lord's Supper is not about channeling. It's not about imagining. It's not about dreaming. It's not even about meditating. It is about fixing our thoughts on a focused point in history, on a real body that was given, that was beaten and scourged and spit upon and nailed to a cross, and real blood that flowed from the person on that cross. There was a moment that that happened. We're to fix our thoughts on that on that reality, and we remember. And as I said, this is so important, and here's why. Because remembering sets the proper stage for authentic worship of God. And I say that because true biblical worship is not about, what, uh, not about us at all. It's not even about what we feel. It's not about what we receive. True biblical worship is about him. And the glory that he can get from us. You see, today we're not called to remember ourselves. We are called to obey that we might remember him. This is what the Old Testament Passover was about. When the Jews would have that Passover meal as a remembrance, they would remember 
the night in Egypt when they put the blood on the doorposts of their homes and God passed over them. And he did not bring judgment on that home because there was the innocent blood of the lamb that covered it. God told them to remember that and to observe it going forward. Exodus twenty-two forty-two. It is a night to be much observed unto the Lord for bringing them out of the land of Egypt. This is the night of the Lord to be observed of all the children of Israel in their generations. So every year when they celebrated the Passover meal, they looked back and said, yes, God delivered us by the blood of the lamb from underneath his judgment. And now for us, Jesus says this cup is a New Testament because he is our Passover, according to 1 Corinthians 5-7. So we need to look back and remember when his blood was shed to bear the wrath of God against sin, when his body was given as a sacrifice on our behalf. This is my body given for you. And we need to fix our thoughts on the cross this morning. And we need to remember a real crucifixion and a real body and real bloodshed. Because that brings perspective, and perspective brings thanksgiving, and thanksgiving sets the stage for authentic, true worship. Then after remembering, we need to use those thoughts, that perspective, that thanksgiving, to lead us to rebuild through reflecting. Rebuild through reflecting. And going back to Nehemiah, this is what he consistently worked at getting the children of Israel to do in the second half of that book. The first half was about rebuilding the walls and the gates, and the second half was about rebuilding and reestablishing the people. Remember the Lord and all that he did, he consistently, consistently said that. That's what they had an entire chapter on dedicating the wall to reflect on all that God had done in and through them. You see, today is a day that we need to reflect upon our spiritual life. And we need to do that in a few different ways. So first of all, we need to reflect on our heart. On our heart. We need to reflect on our heart. Look at verses 27 through 31 again. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. So this is a somewhat controversial part of the text, specifically, what does the Bible mean about eating and drinking unworthily? It's actually quite simple. It just goes back to concept. Or con- I'm sorry, it goes back to context. You see, the word is unworthily, not unworthy, because there's a sense in which we are all unworthy. We all have sin in our life that we're dealing with or struggles that we're trying to overcome. But if you're in Christ, Jesus makes you worthy. So it's not about whether you are unworthy to partake or not. It's about whether you are untaking, un, partaking unworthily, like the Corinthians were. Not taking it seriously. Taking it selfishly and flippantly. Being divided and drunk. I, I hope that nobody's drunk in here this morning. But, but we can have spiritually have an unsober mind. 
about what we're doing today. And the, the Corinthians were taking it unworthily. And what should be abundantly clear through these verses is the Lord doesn't like that. The Lord's Supper is not to be handled casually or carelessly. That's why it is imperative that every single person in this room, including myself, we need to examine our hearts. We need to ask ourselves the following question. Do I really realize what's happening here? Am I taking this as seriously as God desires? And that begins by honestly examining yourself as verse 28 commands. And you reflect on your heart and where you're at with the Lord right now. What's going on inside of you? And then second, you need to reflect on your sin. And listen, when that is done honestly, there's nothing casual about that. See, I'm not asking you to take part in some Christian routine this morning that, that you do to check off a box. I'm talking about serious and honest reflection. And we're to look at the cross and the reality of the cross. And as we look at the cross, we shouldn't see something that doesn't really relate to us. What we need to see on that cross is our sin upon him. You see, we typically see the cross as something done for us. And praise the Lord, it absolutely was. But today, we need to see the cross as something done by us. It was your sin that put him there. It was my sin that put him there. Your sin, my sin, is what caused the horror that is represented by the body and the blood on the cross. And it is that in which we need to be reflecting upon. And not just our sin in general, but our sins in specific. Because it was also the things that we've said this past week. The thoughts we had that were not pure. The unbiblical actions that we have taken. The bitterness that we have felt. It's the gossip. I want, you know, I want you to notice the very specific wording of 1 Peter 2.24. It says, Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. You see, the Bible says he bear our sins, plural. Not just our sin. Our sins. Each and every one of them. He bear them in his own body on that tree. And he paid for all of them. Each sin, every single sin we have committed and will continue to commit was a stripe to his body. That's how he bare them. By whose stripes we are healed. Isaiah 53 verse 5 is what it was quoting. It says, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. He took every single sin in his own body. Can you imagine that? The sinless son of God being beaten by sin after sin after sin after sin. Stripe after stripe after stripe. 
after stripe. And while that should trouble your soul, I hope that reflection makes you incredibly thankful for the only worthy substitute that was and is available for your salvation. Because with his stripes, we are healed. What a gift. I mean, that's the gift that keeps on giving. What a gift giver God is. And that is the beauty of reflection because while we start with reflecting on our heart and where we're at and, and our sin and, and the, how we're, the struggles that we're still dealing with and the seriousness of it, of it and what it did to our Savior on Calvary's cross, we don't stop there because it also leads us to reflect on his provision for us and his promises to us. And that's why the Lord's Supper is so special. You see, as your sins are brought to the forefront and, and you confess them and you cleanse yourself, according to 2 Corinthians 7, 1, what happens is the Lord's Supper and the picture of the blood of Christ is that Jesus takes those sins and in our hearts, he reminds us they're covered. Sin comes to the front, covered. You recall a sin from this past week, but as a child of God, it's covered. That's the promise. And just think of it. All of the sins across this room, for those of us who are in Christ, covered. All the hurtful words, all the bitterness in our hearts, all that we have done that is dishonoring to God, disobedient to God, infinitely offensive to God, covered, covered, covered. Covered it all. And again, that doesn't mean we don't have a responsibility to confess our sins to Him and cleanse ourselves to restore fellowship because we absolutely do. So we need to do our part. But man, He's already done His. And, and, and you have to notice the order of this reflection piece because you have to reflect on your heart and your sins and and, and, and how we've offended him, we, we need to do that first to really see the beauty of his provision and his promise. So as we remember him and we reflect on all that we've done, but not only that, all that he's done, he reminds you, you're mine. You're bought with the price and you're mine. 1 Corinthians 6.20, for you are bought with the price. Therefore, Glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. And as we reflect and partake in the Lord's Supper, we understand that we are feasting on his promises, feasting on his forgiveness, feasting on his faithfulness. How precious this reflection ought to be for us. But, but listen to me now. This, this is why this Lord's Supper, as we'll talk about here in a minute, is just for believers in Jesus Christ in this room. It is only for believers, those that have placed their faith in Jesus Christ. Because the reality is, if you've not trusted Christ to cover your sins, then you have nothing to feast on because you're not covered. If you've not trusted in the blood of Christ to cover your sin, then you stand guilty before a holy God. You stand under his judgment and deserving of his judgment. And because of this reality, if you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior this morning, I urge you to trust him today. And you need to know, 
today of all days that placing your faith in Jesus Christ is necessary for salvation. Because I do not want you to think that participating in some religious ceremony covers your sins. What we are doing this morning will not do anything for you if you haven't already given your life to Christ. You see, we participate in the Lord's Supper because we're remembering and we're reflecting on him and what he has done and feasting on the fact that we are his. So you need to know that this feast of charity does not make you his. It's just a memorial for those who are already his. But for those of us who are his, it should be something special. So we need to rebuild through remembering and rebuild through reflecting. And then third, we also need to rebuild through renewing. And that's basically what the book of Nehemiah was all about. The renewal of the city and the renewal of the people. And Nehemiah tried to get them to renew their covenant to follow the Lord according to his word. And while that was successful for a while, ultimately the children of Israel regressed. We saw that in chapter 13 that we just finished last week. And like I told you then, that describes so our lives so many times as well. We're, we, do, we do good for a while, and we're following the Lord for a while. But then for whatever reason, we seem to fade away. Yeah, I, I told you before, one of my favorite hymns is Come Thou Fount. And that line, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. And while that seems contradictory, that's real life. And we're all at risk. You know, I don't know how many times I've told you over these past few weeks, today's success doesn't guarantee anything for tomorrow. But that's where the Lord's Supper comes in. Because every time we take the Lord's Supper, it is to be a time that we renew our commitment to Christ. And we renew our commitment to each other in this body. You know, I've told you before about sort of the pictures and in, in those two ordinances. And so if you think of baptism kind of like a marriage, there's a, there's a picture. What it's doing is picturing our entrance into the body of Christ, right? There's a picture there. Okay, well, it's, it's like a marriage. Baptism is like the wedding day. And then in picture, the Lord's Supper is like anniversaries. And an anniversary, you know, first of all, if you don't remember, there's a problem. <laughs> Fellas, trust me on this one. If you forget your anniversary, there's, there's, there's going to be problems. But what is that anniversary to do? It's just a time to celebrate what you have together and renew your commitment to each other. And that's, that's all this is. We, we're to renew our commitment to the Lord and renew our commitment to each other in this body, to work together in unity for the common mission, the co-mission that we have in Christ that we're going to be talking about specifically next month. That's what Paul was addressing in the previous chapter of 1 Corinthians when he said in chapter 10, verses 16 to 17, the cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? For we being many are one bread and one body. For we're all, we're all partakers of that one bread. And the picture being painted here is a body gathered around sharing in the bread of life together, showing their identity in Christ with each other and their commitment to him and to one another. And, you know, to, to, to carry out this picture, many cultures, certain denominations, you know, share from one loaf of bread and one common cup for communion. As that expression of, of unity. 
We don't do that here. Um, praise the Lord. We're not passing around one cup. I mean, I love you. Not that much. I'm just kidding. I do love you that much. I would drink after you. I just don't want to. <laughs> but listen, we are, we are a body. We are a family. So let me make a practical application of that spiritual principle of unity. If there's a brother or sister in this family of faith that you harbor bitterness towards, or there's any barrier between you and a brother or sister, you need to deal with that. And maybe you can't deal with it before we actually take those elements here in a few minutes. But you can commit to dealing with it as soon as possible. Listen, you don't want to be guilty of partaking unworthily. Because the picture is unity with Christ and with each other. And we don't want to mess up that picture. But once you have that unity amongst ourselves together, that allows us to focus on renewing our commitment to Christ and his mission. Look at verse 26. For as oft as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he comes. And that right there is the mission. Showing the Lord's death till he comes. That is exactly what we do every time we take the Lord's Supper. And that's exactly what we're to do in our life. And there are a few things I want to make note of in this verse as it relates to our renewal. So first is that our renewal involves showing the world your commitment to Christ. See, the Lord's Supper is not just eating and drinking. The Lord's Supper is showing. We show and we proclaim that Jesus died so that repentance and forgiveness of sin could be shown to all nations. We want to show this to everyone we come in contact with. So this renewal is a commitment to his mission. We're proclaiming the Lord's death, giving testimony of the gospel until he comes. And then secondly, this renewal involves rejoicing in Christ. You see, we're to rejoice because he set us free. Like we talked about earlier, that's the whole picture of the Passover. The Jews were slaves in Egypt, and on that Passover night, God delivered them. And Pharaoh let them go, and they were no longer slaves in Egypt. And that's the beautiful picture that we memorialize today. That this remembrance and reflection in time of renewal is a celebration that we too have been set free. And this is where we see the dichotomy of the Lord's Supper because we approach the Lord's Supper in, in light of it being very solemn and serious and even a heavy time. And, and that's absolutely true. It's how we should approach it. We've talked about some of the reasons why that's the case already this morning. It's a time of reflection upon sin. It's a time of confession and contemplation of the cross. And that's serious stuff. That's heavy stuff. However, I, I do want you to know this morning that we're not at a funeral because he's not dead anymore. So as we partake in the Lord's Supper, yes, we seriously contemplate our sin. We bring it to the forefront to get it right, but we also reflect on those promises. And we realize that for those of us who, who are in Christ, we're not in Egypt anymore. We've been set free from sin. We're no longer a slave to sin. So we don't need to walk out of the Lord's Supper feeling gloomy. We walk out of the Lord's Supper with smiles on our faces because we're not slaves, we're sons. That's why this is about renewal. As we renew our commitment to Christ, we can be renewed in our spirit as we rejoice in Christ. And then third, this renewal involves anticipation of Christ. We're to show the Lord's death until he comes. 
You see, we observe the Lord's Supper in the midst of history, but we do so with an eye toward the end of history as we know it and to our Lord's return. This is our great hope as Christians, that Christ, who was born in Bethlehem, crucified on Calvary, raised three days later, he's coming again. And he's coming again very soon. That means there's a time limitation on the Lord's Supper. We do it until he comes back. Because then we won't have to. Because then we'll be with him. So we we break the bread and drink the cup in anticipation. He's coming back for us. That's why the Lord's Supper is so significant in our worship. Because it's an essential component of the new covenant we have with him. And part of that covenant is that he's promised to come back and get us. And Paul reminds us of what Jesus said, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, that we memorialize what Jesus has done for us until he comes. And like I said, once he comes, we're not going to need to memorialize it anymore because we're going to be with him. We're going to get to sup with him at the same table. What a day that will be. But now as we transition into partaking of this ordinance with our minds centered where they need to be centered, I want to go back and I want to read Paul's full instruction again. We've already read it, obviously, but I want to read it again. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, starting at verse 23. For I, received of, for I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you. And the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself. So let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. You see, as we've been talking about all morning, today's a day to remember. And this remembrance should naturally lead to reflection and examination. An examination of where you're at with the Lord. Are you living a life that's glorifying to Him? Have you taken for granted all that that He did? Are you thankful because of it, or or are you in sin and need to get things right with him? Because if so, you should do that now. This ordinance is to keep this body, this family, focused where we need to be focused, because none of us should be able to go a few months without being in fellowship with the Lord or out of fellowship with each other. The Lord's Supper should always prompt us to get things right. So it's meant to help believers in Christ stay focused on him in the midst of a very distracting world. So if there was a time in your life where you saw that you were a sinner and you decided to trust Jesus for eternal life and you prayed and asked God to save you and you're old enough and understand enough to examine yourself in the faith, then you're you're welcome to partake in this communion with us. Now, if you don't meet those requirements... Then, then I'll be honest with you, this ordinance isn't for you. Now, if you take it anyway, nothing will happen, but that's the point. Nothing will happen because it doesn't have the significance for you that God intends. But if you are saved, then this ordinance Jesus uses to get us to remember the fact that we're feeding on him, that he is our sustenance, 
and sufficiency. Psalm 34, 8 says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. But if you don't trust him, then you won't know he's able to sustain you in all areas of your life. So remember him today. Remember his sacrifice, all that he has done, and choose to live your life through him. 